Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the house of... Mystery with your hosts Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. on FM Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Russell Targ, and he's going to be talking about his new documentary that's coming out, Third Eye Spies. Russell, welcome. Welcome to the House of Mystery. Good morning. I'm happy to be with you. Uh, I don't mean to sound gushy, but like I said, Russell, you are a legend, and I am honored that you're on the show with us today. Well, you live long enough, you get to do a lot of interesting things. <laughs> True. <laughs> nice answer. <laughs> Touche. Now, tell us, um, for the listeners that may not be familiar with you, and I, I can't imagine who that would be, but tell us a little bit about you, you know, what got you here, what got you involved in ESP studies and psychic studies, and particularly psychic spies? Well, I'm a physicist, so I spent most of my life in the very beginning developing lasers and then building lasers for the CIA and for NASA. And in between times, I had a lifelong interest in psychic functioning. As a child, I had psychic experiences. And after 17 years of building lasers, I decided to bet my career that I could teach people how to get in touch with their own psychic abilities. So I made that pitch to the CIA. I said, we can teach your agents how to find people, see where they're hiding. I told NASA that I could help an astronaut get in touch with his spacecraft so he could tell if there's anything the matter with the spacecraft. So you can tell that what I decided is that I had the power to cloud men's minds so they would give me money to do something that sounded totally crazy. And in 1972, that was correct. So we started a program at Stanford Research Institute supported by NASA and the CIA to try and investigate psychic abilities, find out how ESP worked, and to what extent it could be made useful for the CIA. And we did that for 20 years. Wow. Russell, you, you just said a lot there. Uh, f let's, let's regroup just a little bit. You, now, going back to the beginning, you said as a child you had psychic experiences. Well, I had modest a bit. My vision is very poor. You can't tell that over the radio. But uh, I did ride a motorcycle for decades, but in spite of that, uh, I, I was legally blind and riding a motorcycle, so that made me believe in ESP. But uh, the best evidence I can give you for the existence of psychic functioning is that we had million-dollar support annually for the CIA to help them find hostages, downed airplanes, Russian weapons factories, all sorts of operational things. 
And as you know, the CIA is not easily amused. <laughs> so, so our job was to prove that we're useful to them and that we could train people to get in touch with their psychic abilities so that they could do what we call remote viewing. Remote viewing is an ability that we all have that allows you to see into the distance and see into the future and describe what's happening there. And our pitch is that everybody has that ability to a greater or lesser extent. Some of the people who work with us in our program were world-class exceptional remote viewers. Many of the people who came by were surprisingly good. For example, one of the ways that I would raise money for the program is that we would have a visit from, say, the Undersecretary of Defense, Walter Laberge, came and said, you guys have been working with us now for a decade. Can you show me something psychic? What are you guys doing? And I'll say, okay, have your adjutant go hide someplace with my partner and they will choose a random location in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then I will show you how to do it. See, I, I could find a psychic here who could locate them, but then you would think it's a trick, and you'd spend all your time figuring out how to target deceive me. But if I guide you to de describe where your adjutant is hiding, and you have the experience, and then we'll take you to that place, that will be a lifelong memory for you. And he did very well. And it turned out that within a decade, he and I both had gone to Lockheed. He had gone to the general manager, and I had gone to the physicist. Uh, but Walter LaBerge was still my buddy, even though he was high up there and I was in the trenches, because I had shown him how to experience the part of himself that was psychic. How, how did you, Russell, how did you um, develop your own ability? Who did you look up to, or, um, and how did you learn to understand it? I think that I initially had the idea that something psychic was going on. As a child, I was an enthusiastic card player, and I would frequently know in advance what the card was laying on top of the fish pile or the poker pile or the bridge hand, so I would know which way to take a finesse in bridge. And I was just, I wasn't a fantastic card reader. That's very, very hard to do. But I was better than average at guessing which way the cards were going to fall. And I was interested in magic also. I grew up in New York, so I could go to the magic stores on 42nd Street, talk to magicians, buy tricks, and then do magic shows for birthday parties and art openings and things like that. So in the course of standing on the stage, pretending to read people's minds, I occasionally would have clear images of where the person looks, where the person is living, what their home situation is like. So I could supplement my nasty old magic trick was some genuine ESP that came my way. And then as a high school student, student, I began to read the scientific literature on ESP research, and I gave up magic for the real stuff. I think um, Kevin and I have both um, different abilities in, in terms of remote viewing and psychic ability, but um, both experienced that. And... Um, Certainly, I've uh, on on stage. I have um, utilised remote viewing to have the audience in fits of giggles as I wander around somebody's home and describes it, um, much to their frustration and uh, horror, um, wondering whether or not I can see in the drawers and all those things. Um, so, but that came largely through a development of mediumship. So. In terms of your ability, is that solely in respect of ESP and remote viewing, or is there spirit communication that kind of is there for you as well? I have not had spirit communication. Uh, my darling daughter passed away 10 years ago, and people often bring me messages from her, mm -hmm. and they bring me messages. She, Elizabeth, Elizabeth was a psychiatrist, very 
clever woman. And recently she gave somebody a message and said, tell my father this information that will convince him that I still survive because no other person besides him and me knows that information. Mm-hmm. And that, that I found quite exciting because, because that was true. Because we had a, my wife and I had a little mishap in early child raising where we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And it was apparently traumatic for my daughter. So even 10 years after she died at age 50, she was still upset about the way we treated her as a two-year-old. But that was our secret, but only she knew about it. Yeah. It's very powerful, isn't it? That that, that sort of um, validation is incredibly powerful. So um, in terms of your... Um, your early experiences in ESP, when we know that we can identify or see something that's not in our immediate vicinity, um, how does that come through to you? Does it come through as an image or a feeling or a knowing? Yeah, all, all of my psychic functioning is uh, visual. Does I have, have somebody hide something, and then I can tell them what it was, looks like. And that's what I do on stage. I'm standing here, I've got an interesting object in the box, uh, tell me what I've got. And generally half the people in audience will be able to do that. And in fact, if I'm doing a big workshop for a weekend workshop, I will tell people that I will guarantee everyone here will either do something psychic or see something psychic. And if that doesn't happen, I'll give you your money back. And after a decade of traveling all over the world doing remote viewing, nobody has ever asked me for their money back. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, that, so that's that? that's excited me. And after doing this for two decades for the CIA, I thought that I should make a film instead of telling people about it. I wanted to make a documentary showing what we had done, how we trained people to be psychic, how we had found things, and give people an idea that psychic ability is available. It's part of their nature. So we made this film called Third Eye Spies, which will come out at the end of February in theaters and on digital platforms. So you'll be able to download it to your screen or see it in the theater. And that will, ha- that will happen at the end of February. And this film is really the true story of CIA psychic spying. Because I would go to work and half of my work would be to try and understand this phenomena, and we published our papers in uh, Nature Magazine, which is premier in the world, and the Journal of the American uh, IEEE Institute of Electrical Engineers. And then recently I've written a book called The Reality of ESP. Mm-hmm. So you can read the book and go to the film. The Reality of ESP I have a couple of chapters that show you how to do remote viewing. So my purpose in writing this book, The Reality of ESP, is to encourage people to work with a friend and develop their own psychic abilities. So would you say that this is more of an instructional autobiography? Is Um, is this your story or, or are you explaining it? No, I've written another book that's my story. I've written a book called Do You See What I See, which is sort of a psychic autobiography. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my most recent book, Reality VSP, where I go through all of the material that had previously been top secret and is now declassified. Right. So in order to make this film, we had to go to the government and get declassified all the previously top-secret material that we did for the CIA and uh, defense intelligence agencies. So we, in fact, we had to go to our congressman, and it was with her help that the CIA decided they would rather declassify this material than go to court and argue why it should still remain classified. They decided the easiest thing is to uh, let us do what we wanted to do, and presumably it would not be a problem. And our good fortune is that our two principal contract monitors from the CIA had retired, and they agreed 
to be in this film. So we have two two high level CIA contract monitors, a physicist and a physician looking at you man to man from the screen saying, Yes, they polygraphed us, I was there, and what Targ said is true, it really happened because I saw it happen. So that kind of testimony is without precedent in a, in a film. There, there are many films showing this and that about ESP, but this is the first film that I've ever heard of where the CIA is on camera saying, yes, we were, we were using psychic spies. We went to the Soviet Union and could see into their weapons factory. We could see an atomic bomb test in China. And we even opened the film with a testimony from Jimmy Carter saying we were looking for a downed Russian bomber in Africa and we couldn't find it because it was in the jungle. So we went to a psychic in California and she was able to mark a map and show us where it was. And we landed a helicopter and as the helicopter landed, we saw natives pulling pieces of metal through the jungle because the helicopter landed within one mile of the downed Russian bomber. And that's a true story. That's As a, a true, true story. Yeah, that's in Jimmy Carter's autobiography, recent autobiography, mm-hmm. and we, ha- we have him saying that on camera. We opened the film with Jimmy Carter saying, this is the most remarkable thing that happened to me in my presidency, that these guys were able... See, you see, the bomber crashed in the jungle, so the satellite for satellite cameras couldn't see us through the jungle. So they had to abandon satellite photography and call the folks at SRI with the psychics. That, that did not make anybody happy, but that's what kept us funded for two decades. Yeah. Now, well, let, let's roll back just a little bit, Russell, because there's a big gap here. Um, how did you personally get involved with the CIA? It's not like back then we just called information, got the number, and called them up. Um, were you introduced, or did you do specific college work that got their attention? How did you and the CIA come together? I was involved in the earliest development of the laser. I was a laser pioneer in the 1950s, you can imagine, and in that period, I built stuff for the CIA. So okay. CIA knew me as a laser guy uh, who could actually make complicated things and have them work. So that by 1972, I actually had some buddies in the CIA for whom I had done stuff, straight-up laser stuff. But by 72. I, I was really finished with lasers. I felt that I had uh, put in my honest work, and it's time for a uh, career, change in career, change in trajectory. So I went back to the same people I had been working for and said, I have this new thing to do. I have, by the way, built an ESP teaching machine. Um, and I can, to off to the side now, my ESP game is called ESP Trainer, and that's a online application that you can get at the Apple Store for no cost. So if you go to the App Store, you can uh, download ESP Trainer at no cost, and you can see what we were doing for NASA to demonstrate that people can improve their ES their psychic functioning. Now, I had that with me in the 60s and 70s. So when I went to a conference with NASA, it just happened that Werner von Braun was there. There's a conference, yes. on, conference on speculative technology. So von Braun was there, and Arthur C. Clarke was there, and the director of, of NASA was also there. And von Braun really loved this ESP gadget, and he did very well. He was, He showed that he was... Uh, outstanding ESP ability is what the machine rated him. So he was able to go to the director and say, give these guys some money. Maybe they're on to something. This seems to be le- legit. So with Von Braun's help, 
and the help of Edgar Mitchell, uh, NASA agreed to give us some money. So NASA was our, NASA was really the first government agency that said yes, and the CIA came along shortly after NASA. You know, just as an interesting side note, Russell, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, where they brought Werner von Braun and we built the Saturn V. I've been to Huntsville. I, I built a giant laser for the folks at Huntsville as part of a ground-based laser system to measure the winds when you launch a spacecraft. So we had a program called CLAWS, which was coherent laser uh, airborne wind sensor. And we we had a side-by-side test with the balloons, and we did much better than the balloons. So I spent time, I'm familiar with Huntsville. Yes. Now, after, you know, after your involvement in in this, you know, once you got your feet under you in in the CIA and you began to do your work, uh, you know, along with the CIA comes the military intelligence agencies. Um, When did they begin to take the program serious or was this something right away? Well, we were... Bit by bit, uh, eventually everybody was working with us. Eventually all the intelligence agencies in the government were supporting our work at SRI. After CIA, my closest association had been with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in, in Dayton, Ohio. So I went to brief my research and development friends at um, Wright-Patterson And one of the folks said, yes, I know about that stuff. I've been following your work. And that was Dale Graff, who is a uh, research manager in foreign technology. And and he had an interest in this. So he said, I want to train up some of my people. Uh, I will all support your work. So Wright Patterson was a big supporter of ours. And then Graf went to the Defense Intelligence Agency, which you may know the kind of super agencies that oversees all American uh, intelligence. So Dale Graf got to sit in the director's chair overseeing uh, research all over the intelligence community. So we had uh, support from NASA, uh, the Air Force, CIA, even the Navy was interested in communicating with submarines. So we, so we, see, we were able to demonstrate to people that this really works. I Those, think that's, that's my question. I'm, I'm listening um, from somebody from, from England who probably doesn't have the depth of knowledge in terms of your journey that, that Kevin might. And I, that's one of my biggest queries is how does a government agency like um, the CIA or um, you know, defense, you know, military defense organizations, what sort of evidence did you have to provide to convince them that ESP was something worth investing in? Because nationally, internationally, people still have extreme um, reservations about believing that somebody can see something that is not concrete in front of them. They have to be convinced one by one. So in terms of NASA, I eventually wound up face-to-face with the research administrator, George Pesderts. And I even hate to tell you what I did did with him. Uh, I was a magician in the beginning, a, a fake magician. And this is a story I've never told before. Uh-oh, and, exclusive. And, exclusive. And, and I knew that we would get to a point where this uh, administrator said, show me something psychic. So I prepared uh, to deceive him. That's not to take any chances. Mm-hmm. So I so I did a card trick for him, uh, which unless you're skillful in magic, you, I, it's a card trick. I've never been, in 50 years of doing magic, I've never been caught doing this card trick. It's a quite, quite amazing where, as we, as we say in the magic business, the, the effect is 
He shuffled a deck of cards, chose one, looked at it, put it back in the deck, and then I turned to my partner and said, George has chosen a card. Tell me what it looks like as it appears in your awareness. And then my buddy tells George what his card was. So as I described it to you right now, unless you're a magician, that will seem utterly impossible. Mm-hmm. So, But George was blown away. A shocking, great magic trick. For those in the magician's business, I just use the so-called magician's force. That is, he didn't really... He had the experience of shuffling the cards and choosing one, but in slow motion camera, you would see that's not at all what happened. So he grabbed the cards back and he. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary shuffled them in his hand. He said, okay, I've got another card. Uh, tell me what this one is. Now, of course, I have no way to do that because here, here he's actually shuffled the cards, chosen one freely. I have no idea what he's chosen. So I just closed my eyes and I said, looks like a red card. I think it's a three of diamonds. And that's what he chose. So once again, I was able to supplement my magic my pretend magic with what ESP comes my way. So I, I had, I have always had some latent ability, but I wouldn't want to bet my contract on my latent ability. But if the guy has already bit on my card trick, then I'm willing to try it again. And the second time I was also correct. So, I mean, that's that's one scenario. But in order to continue to build up that repertoire and um, for other people to invest and to utilize the skills of yourself and your team, you would still need to consistently be giving good outcomes and proving this ability. And ESP, remote viewing, psychic ability, mediumship, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't always give you clear cut answers. Well, in the experiments we did, we would, Kit Green was our first CIA contractor. Kit Green was a very, very intelligent physician, head of the uh, life science division at CIA. And he came to our laboratory and he said, I want to, I want to be part of what you're doing. So each day for a series of nine trials, Kit Green would go with my partner, Hal Putoff, He'd go to the director's office and they would get be given randomly traveling orders, go someplace in the Bay Area. Now, in the Bay Area, we have mountains, reservoirs, boat docks, the very rich, like Copenhagen. You can have everything you could imagine for a very target-rich area. So they would go hide someplace 
and I was uh, in our little screen room with uh, Pat Price. Price was a retired police commissioner, very, very psychic person, probably the premier psychic we'd ever worked with because he could read things that are hidden away. But that's another story. So each day for about 10 days, uh, I would sit with Price in the laboratory and my partner Hal and Kit Green would go hide some random place. And Price would give a description of what it looked like that the CIA contract monitor was hiding. And in the, we did nine trials, which were eventually published in Nature magazine. So this is a formal double-blind experiment. At the end of nine trials, uh, another judge would evaluate which target corresponds to which hiding place. That is to say, which set of drawings that Price made matched best which hiding place. And in the nine trials, uh, seven of them were first place match, which is odds of almost one in a million, which is to say if if uh, if my partner Hal had been taken away and hidden seven days, if my partner had been hidden nine days in a row, we would have found him the first place we looked in seven out of those nine trials. And CIA was very impressed with that, as indeed they should have been. So the, so the seven out of nine successes with Price finding the CIA guy said, okay, we're convinced we'll support you. And so, um, and your your film that we, we really must go on to, this documentary, um, talks about your life in terms of um, working as a, um, with ESP um, and using ESP as a form of spying. So how did you go from displaying your skills, saying, look, this is how we can help to your first um, task or mission? Uh, that's in one of the first operational tasks. Well, I should tell you, the thing we did before Kit Green came out to work with us, he said, I hear some coordinates, geographical coordinates. Can you tell us what's there? And Pat Price uh, sat down and said, I'm said to us on the audio tape, I'm flying at 5,000 feet at these coordinates. I see a, a circular area. There are big radio antennas. This is a military base of some kind. There are jeeps that can drive into the hillside. And down in the basement is where they're really doing the secret stuff. I see a filing cabinet. In fact, there three green filing cabinets and the name of this place is uh, Pitchfork but all the programs are called things like uh, 8 Ball and 14 Ball and Rack Up they all have uh, billiard names attached to them and that's what I get now it turned out that what Kit Green had in mind for us to describe was the log cabin of his friend just over the hill from this place, which is called Sugar Grove, which is a super-secret cryptography location belonging to the National Security Agency. So this is one of America's tip-top secret places that Price penetrated. He did indeed read the code names. Not only was the place secret, but the code names themselves were secret. So that was a demonstration that we could dem- that we could penetrate even the most secret things in the world. So that's what got Kit Green to come out to us and uh, see what we're doing in California. When you asked, uh, how did they understand that what we're doing was worth looking at? Is that the psychic functioning that we were able to manifest in our lab? was an order of magnitude more accurate, more reliable, 
than people had been doing previously. And part of that's because we were doing tasks that correspond to people's ability. That is, guessing cards or describing hidden pictures is much harder than describing a real location. Now, Russell, I, I got to ask this. At, at any point while you guys are, are experiencing this incredible success of, you know, psychically penetrating a highly classified, you know, government facility, did it ever cross your minds that maybe the government, this type of success will scare them and they will decide, listen, this is too much of a risk. These, what if they go rogue and mm -hmm. possibly terminate you? Good question. Well, uh... Since I was not the provider of this information, I was not the famous psychic, what they did do, our first operational task for the government was to describe a Soviet weapons factory in Siberia. And we're able to describe this at great length in the film because we have all of our documents and we have overhead photography from the Soviet weapons factory. And Pat Price was able to describe a giant crane. This is in Soviet Siberia, a place called Semipalatinsk. Price described this giant crane rolling back and forth over a building. And he made a drawing of that, which was a architectural copy of what the thing actually looked like in the satellite photography. So it was crystal clear to anybody that what Price was drawing really was at the site. And I show that whole episode in Reality of ESP. I've got the previously classified documents and what Price drew. And that convinced the CIA that what we're doing is real. And they ask us to describe what are they building with this crane? What's going on underground? And Price was able to describe the construction of giant 60-foot spheres that were being welded together from iron gores, like uh, orange people slice, slices that are being welded together. And he did that so accurately that, just as you said, uh, Price showed himself essentially to be omniscient. That is, he could read secret documents he could penetrate the Soviet laboratory. So he said, you're too valuable to be hanging out there with the psychic researchers in California. We want you to come back to uh, Virginia and live in a farmhouse just a couple of miles from CIA headquarters. So they moved Price from our neighborhood. He basically... basically uh, took him away from Stanford Research Institute in uh, Menlo Park, California, and moved him for, to Virginia. And he continued to do psychic things for Ken Kress as a one-on-one -on -one contract a contractor for the CIA, and within six months, Price was dead. Oh, my gosh. Well, do you think that was intentional? No one knows what the answer is. Uh, we know that Price was on a daily basis giving his top secret information to the Church of Scientology that he was an enthusiastic member of. And that became common knowledge the following year after his death. Now, Price was a very smart guy, but he wasn't a trained spy. So... He may have had a heart attack, or the Russians may have killed him, or the CIA may have been nervous about Superman's gone rogue. That is, what, what do you do when you discover that uh, Superman is a double agent giving us information about what he finds when he penetrates the Libyan embassy, and then he gives all that top-secret information to the Scientologists, that might have been a big problem for the CIA. Oh, it I mean, knowing what we know about Scientology today, absolutely. I mean, th this is a bizarre connection that I really didn't expect. Uh, so, so part of our 
film is the the mystery of who killed Pat Price. And I can tell you at the outset, we don't know the answer, but it's a good mystery story. Because uh, the real question is, how, how come the most psychic man in the world died shortly after he went to work for the CIA? And we don't know that, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you. But in the film, I show you what the suppositions are. So in, in the film, Russell, does it then explore, after um, Price died, does it explore how the rest of the team then felt and, and whether there was vulnerabilities within the rest of the team? Whether they were scared that something, they may have some... Nobody was scared. Nobody felt frightened. Uh, the idea... See, it's a, it's a little time warp. We didn't know. Nobody in California knew about the CIA connection until a year later. Right. So the whole idea that somebody might have killed him out of fear never crossed our mind because we didn't know that Price was working for the CIA, working for the Scientologists at the same time he was working for the CIA. In fact, I misspoke. There was, it was two years, two years after he died. Price died in 1975, and it wasn't until 1977 that the FBI broke into the Celebrity Center in Hollywood belonging to the Scientologists and found all this data that described what Price had been doing for the CIA. Right, okay. And then, of course, all hell broke loose because all of this top-secret stuff was suddenly in the papers that uh, CIA had hired this policeman uh, who had this amazing ability. I mean, when the government found out that he had been sharing this with the Scientologists, they must have had a meltdown somewhere. Yes, Uh, but we don't... That's definitely true. And the mystery is... We don't know when they got that information. We don't know when the we don't know when the CIA learned that Price was a double agent. My gosh, yeah, I, I, you got me high centered on that right now, Russell. But now, so, so we have two hours of cinema exploring that problem. Yes, Third Eye Spies. Would you say that it is when when you put this together, is it? aimed more towards the believers or, you know, general... It is, it is not... Bla- it is, blame, is aimed toward anyone who has the slightest interest in knowing what's going on. It is not... Uh, I, I'm first... I'm primarily a scientist. I've been... I spent my... My ESP career was 10 years out of a 40-year career doing straight-up science. So I'm not making this film as a believer. I'm making this film to show you what the data is. So we spent five years interviewing the most knowledgeable people in this era. We've talked to Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut. We have a Nobel Prize winner. We have two CIA contract monitors on camera. So we have a lot of very knowledgeable, capable people describing their experience and their opinions, together with some other physicists. So this is not a film for believers. This is people who want to know what their own abilities are. My, my, as a Buddhist, my opinion is that this is not new age. This is old stuff. The Buddhists have been writing about this since 500 years before Christ. The earliest writings of the Buddha say the separation is an illusion. There is no separation in consciousness. And uh, the Hindu, Hindu writer Patanjali at the same time wrote a book which is still in print. The Sutra of the Patanjali has a quarter of the book telling you how to go from your meditation into seeing in the distance, seeing into the future, healing the sick, diagnosing illnesses, and, of course, all these abilities in the Hindu tradition are called cities and are not the goal. They're things you will experience 
on the way to connecting with the divine or the universal. And in Buddhist writings and Hindu writings from thousands of years ago, there are instructions on how to develop your psychic abilities, which are inherent. The idea within, in Buddhism is that uh, your, your nature is timeless awareness. That who you are is timeless awareness. If you think that who you are is what you see in the mirror, uh, you're in for a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, this is, so uh, main, to answer your question, uh, this is not New Age stuff. This is stuff that the smartest people in the world have been writing about for 2,000 years. See, and I'm glad you put it that way, um, because really, I mean, science and spirituality, they really are intertwined. Now, before we, we run out of time, Russell, um, which we're quickly uh, on the clock now, uh, when and where can people see your documentary once it's released? The documentary will be first released to digital channels, that is, uh, Netflix, uh, Amazon, and so forth, where you can download the film uh, to your to your monitor. Shortly after that, it will be released to theaters, and it will be streaming uh, on the streaming networks like HBO or Netflix. So all that's going to happen at the end of February. And the name, the, the name of the film is Third Eye Spies. And you can just remember that it's, it's the true story of CIA psychic spying. And where can individuals get in touch with, with you if, if they want well, to they can, share something with you? Well, what they can, if they want to see the coming attraction of this film, they can go to thirdeyespies.com. I have a very well-made uh, 90-second coming attraction at thirdeyespies.com. And that also tells you a little bit more about the film, and you can leave messages as well. Okay. Russell, Russell, before before we um, say any, any uh, anything else, really, in respect of um, the film, etc., can I ask you a cheeky personal question? And it's, it really is just um, I've been intrigued listening to you because of obviously my interest in remote viewing and, and having that ability myself, but. Do you feel, I mean, you've, you've described a lifetime's worth of development and helping others to develop the gift. And so in your experience, have you found that your abilities towards ESP have grown over the years to, to present day? Um, or do you feel that there has been a peak in your life and, and um, you know, a journey kind of up to that peak and then down again? How, how have you experienced ESP personally? Well, people generally have a certain amount of psychic ability, like music abilities that they're born with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in ESP, it's a signal-to-noise problem. An engineer would say it's a signal-to-noise problem, and we don't know how to improve the signal. That is, The goal is to be able to discern the psychic signal from the mental noise. The mental noise is guessing, imagination, and other things that uh, create uh, the ongoing mental, mental chatter. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to learn to separate the psychic signal from the mental noise, which principally is don't try and guess what it is. So if I tell you I have an object in my hand here, don't say, oh, it looks like a book, uh, looks like a hairbrush. You just tell me what's the shape and what the texture is and what it feels like if you would hold it and stay away from trying to guess what it is. Psychic functioning is not analytic. So as long as you stay with your feelings, the magic words that I use when I'm interviewing somebody is tell me about the surprising images that show up in your awareness. I would never say, where are they hiding, or what's the object in the box, because they have no way to know that, because that's an analytical question. 
if I tell you what are you what are your feelings, what are you experiencing, you know that, and our success is that we've been able to tailor our questions in the direction of what actually works rather than what doesn't work. If you have a program where you sit down and say, okay, where, where are they hiding now? That will never work. That will fail every time because the psychic has no way to know the name of where they're hiding. And Padmasambhava, the great Buddhist teacher of the 800s, he has a book called Self-Liberation Through Seeing with Naked Awareness. It sounds like something contemporary. And he says that in order to develop this naked awareness, you have to give up your desire to name the thing that you're looking at in the in the distance or in the future. Give up your desire to name it. That was totally understood 1,200 years ago. Well, it has been a fascinating show. Russell Targ, Third Eye Spies. Russell Thank you so much for coming on with us. It's been an absolute honor to speak with you. It's been a quite, been a pleasure for me. Lots of good questions. Awesome. But we got to uh, one more time. I, I want to give you an opportunity to put out your website. And one more time, at the end of February, Third Eye Spies is being released. And if you want to read something in the meantime, my book is The Reality of ESP that gives you the recipe for working with a partner and developing your remote viewing ability. Awesome. Well, Russell, thank you. Thank you for being on the House of Mystery with me and Julie today. Thanks and for thank you for the Thanks very much for the opportunity. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 